Hello and welcome to Pixelated Realms, your guide to the digital landscape, untangling the mysteries of your favorite titles and discussing the latest and greatest in video game fun. I'm your host, Alex Salerno. Alongside me is my brother, Tyler. And today, our special guest, David Lewis, the creator and founder and I don't know, all sorts of things he'll talk about of Roger Wilco, one of the very first voice chat uh, software packages available in video games. Yeah, we're very excited well, to have David. I'm I'm excited to be here and tell the story that's never been told. Yeah, we have the first-hand account of how voice chat ended up in video games. And the story is pretty great, but I'm not going to spoil anything just yet. First, let's talk about what we always talk about and what are you guys playing? What are we playing? Well, um, I'm just going to – it's just because I'm so passionate about what I'm doing right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject first here. I'm still playing Skull and Bones, baby, and I don't care who, uh, you know, what the reviews or the critics say about this game. I'm having a blast. I'm 40, 50 hours in at the moment. I've pretty much completed most of the game. Uh, I'm having fun doing some endgame stuff. So, yeah, um, you know, don't trust the reviews, everyone. That's that's what, all I got to say this week is, you know, sometimes if you enjoy a game, you enjoy a game and have have a good time playing it. That's what I've been up to. Yeah, I think you're a little addicted to it, but <laughs> so it might skew the the review there. Fair enough. I'm uh, I'm playing Call of Duty, but I'm pretty much always playing Call of Duty, and I I really what's what's interesting because I I know you guys outside this podcast uh, very well is you play a lot of different games, and I've never been that guy who does mm-hmm. that. Like I when I built my first computer again, you know, four years ago it was Apex Legends, and I was playing it and playing it. And then I'm like, this is a really hard game, and you always got to play with a good squad, which we'll talk about squad gaming, I'm sure, when we get to Roger Wilco. But then I was like, okay, there's multiplayer in Call of Duty. I liked shooters, Unreal Quake, things like that back in the day. So i just been playing Call of Duty, and I really try to get really good. And as they keep changing the game, I feel like the game changes a bit. Um, so I just stick to that game. But I really marvel how you guys like have such a diversity in games rpg games the shooter games and everything the, a, a boating pirate shippy game like it's wow totally it, different it, and that's one of the things I, I i one of the reasons we really started the podcast because you know there's so many different types of gamers out there i have i have friends who are aligned with you david and they they have a game that they just really like or a series of games they really like and that that's where they have their niche and they really enjoy playing and focusing on that game you know then there's people like alex and myself who tend to be a bit more uh you know Eclectic. Shall we say eclectic? I like that word where, you know, we might be switching video games every week or every couple of weeks um, just because we love the diversity of yeah. seeing what's out there. Um, so, yeah, that's I, I think it's really cool. And I appreciate both. I'm a little bit jealous of folks who really could have that laser focus because I'm just I'm a, a, I'm decent at everything, but I'm a master of none, you know, as as it goes. Um, so, yeah, it's uh Call of Duty is wonderful. It's always been a staple for me. My favorite Call of Duties go back to Call of Duty one and two. The some of the original Call of Duties are my favorite. I love the World War Two setting, and that has never changed, even with all of the uh, modern warfare's oh, and see, future games that have come out. I like the more modern warfare style games, and no, yeah, it's good. I always, pretty much, always play Ghost. Ghost is my is my mm. character, and um, the other thing that I'm it I'm not playing this but i'm working on this and i think it's worth mentioning because we're going to talk about what happened in 99 and like the the ability to do what we're doing right now talking over the internet and um you know being the alexander graham bell it's it was exciting i'm trying to do 
maybe a little bit some of that again with VR. So, um, you know, last couple of years with the MetaQuest, uh, especially the three now, the graphics capabilities have gotten really, really uh, much better. Apple's released the Vision Pro. There's not really the content for that yet, but there's a hardware device. So I'm working with some guys internationally, uh, remotely, same way that we did. The company was actually called Resounding that made Roger Wilco. So I'm working with these guys. And what we are doing is basically taking the Unreal Engine, which is, I think, the best platform for building 3D environments and adding an ability for that to publish your content to the web in the same way that you can easily drag a video file in the YouTube uploader as a content creator and have it for all to experience, we're bringing that same capability to the development of VR content so that you'll be able to take it, publish it, and then there'll be a client-side app for your, for your Quest 3 and eventually the Vision Pro where you can then load up these different environments that mere mortals like us have made. So we, we think that what was, what's happened for 2D content with YouTube and Twitter and that type of stuff will eventually happen for 3D environments. And we want to be the platform that enables people to publish that. So that's, that's taking some of my time, but I'm still spending way more time in Call of Duty than I am with that. The, the devs are working very hard to get the alpha done. We should be done with that maybe this week coming up or, or next week. And beta is the plan in April and then general release in May. So it's going to happen soon. Wow, that is incredibly exciting! I can't wait to hear more about that, folks. You're hearing you're hearing about it first here. I mean, yeah. this is this is as inside as it gets. So, um, you know, uh, that's really exciting, and I know we'll we'll definitely uh, keep keep an eye out for it. That sounds amazing to me. That's cool. cool. So, would you say it's it, you would say it's the YouTube of 3D environments where you could go and and browse and just jump into an environment and just really get to play around in it? Yeah, one hundred percent. And what what what's different about it than like the quest application is that there is no middleman if you make something and publish it it's there so some people will make like mindfulness applications some people will make escape rooms some people will make you know tutorials and lectures and some people will make um like a a, a disco and or a or a club and play music in it um whatever people think of and as like twitch or whether you know the channels and segments will will flesh out naturally uh, and we expect that to happen, but we don't know what people will make with it, but we just hope people do. That's cool. What was the name of the company again? And where can we find more information? Right now, the company, the straw man name is Parsec. Um, and there is no information other than this podcast uh, Ooh. out there. Oh, you yeah. heard it here, folks. First, yeah. first here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we there are the official source. Yeah. I talked to the devs. I said, hey, I'm, I've got a podcast coming up and, and I want to make a video for my own channel. Are we ready to start telling people? They're like, yes. Let's start to get the word out and get get the hype train going. Oh, very I exciting! Love that. Cool. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll definitely uh, keep updates on the on this channel then, because now we're invested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it is. You know, we'll talk about Roger Wilco, but it's always this dilemma of like what we think we're working on is a game changer. What will the world think of it? Yeah, is it going to fail miserably? Or is it going to be something that has like moderate success? I mean, there were things like Second Life and other technologies yeah. that came about that were super niche and mm -hmm. didn't stick around. And then there's things like Roblox and Minecraft that just yeah. blew up. And, you know, if you if you had told me, hey, I'm working on like this, you know, Lego looking building tool set that, you know, teens will do. And, OK, good luck with that. You know, right. Like, yeah. But yeah. It's so weird. Like you can never it, predict it, it, the future. And that's that's a great kind of segue into your story here, because, right, I mean, this was just 
just as you're going through now, this this uh, entire process was just uh, elaborated out of need, right? I mean, there was a there was a problem you had when you were playing video games, and that developed into creating a product that is you know essentially universal now within the industry. So yeah. I think that's really interesting, you know, and and that's the risk of business, right? And although we're not a business podcast, I think it's 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 worth saying, you know, you never know if what you're working on is going to be picked up by the world or or by the community, but doesn't mean you shouldn't try and you shouldn't invest your ideas and efforts and bring everyone together to create these ideas. It sounds so fun, you know, so interesting to me. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of people have are looking for a space to express themselves with this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we certainly hope, you know, this this succeeds and we'll be tracking it with you. Very cool. cool. So oh. but before we dive in. Uh, we really appreciate everyone who follows us and subscribes to us. It's the best way to show your support right now. We post new episodes every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on podcast services and YouTube. You can also find us on Instagram, Threads, and YouTube at Pixelated Realms Podcast. So now, oh, I almost forgot. And if you want to ask a question or leave us a comment, you can go to pixelatedrealms.org slash ask. Leave us a comment. And we'll talk about it at the end of the show. Nice. Yeah. I, I often forget that, so I have to make sure I, I <laughs> drop it in. Um, but I think this is a perfect time to talk about the best part of this podcast now is, you know, our, our special guest here. Let's talk about Roger Wilco. So okay. how did it all get started? Well, actually, before we do that, no. let's describe what is the, the, yeah, the 10,000-foot view of what it is, <laughs> and then we'll go into the story. How about that? Okay. No, that's, that's great. So um, Roger Wilco... If you take Discord and strip it all apart down to its core capability was an application that enabled you to connect with another person and talk to them. It was the telephone for the Internet. Um, it was a very small, lightweight application where you would go into the interface. You needed to know the person's IP address. So back then, we did have a challenge of like teaching people how to go to the command line and find your IP address. Most gamers kind of were sophisticated enough to do that, but it basically said, enter the person's IP address. So I would ask Tyler, like, you know, what's your IP address? Enter it and click connect and we could talk. And I'll, I'll talk later about that, that Alexander Graham Bell experience that we literally had the first time we tried it. Then if you wanted to join Alex and connect with us, there, again, no, there was no friends list. We didn't get that far. Um, you would type either one of our IP address and connect to us. So that was one of the things that I'll talk about. Our technical hurdle was that dynamic adding and dropping of people into a voice chat. But that's literally, I feel that's bad saying it. That's like all the application did, but it forever changed gaming. And I'll right. talk a little bit about that. But it was yeah. the first one. Or it was one the, of first the first one ones. to do this, essentially. Yeah. yeah. I right. think it was the first one. But, you know, maybe there's documentation to prove otherwise. There was certainly no popular way to do it if something else existed out there. Mm -hmm. And what we did, it was the first application that truly worked with a video game, mm -hmm. which was challenging in and of itself. This was not Skype, where I made a call and mm -hmm. only used that application. Skype would not do what we did, even when it came out. Um, you had to be able to do full duplex audio mixing so that we could have a conversation while all the sound and noise of the video game uh, was was going on. And with like practically zero latency, like wow. really near to, to no latency. So that was the, the channel. But it came about, you know, if you want to hear the story about how it came about. Yeah, um, of course. I was uh, literally 
75 feet from where I'm sitting right now. I walked in the front door of my house and my wife, Tiffany, looked at me as I was like making hot pursuit to the stairs, wrapping the corner. And she's like, are you going upstairs to play with my brother? And so Mark, just like you guys, my brother-in-law was my gamer buddy. And he and I would play pretty much Quake, Duke Nukem, and Unreal Tournament on the Ooh, regular. Yeah. Good great stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Love shooters. Uh, and so I would come up here to sit right here. And I had a phone that had a speakerphone button on it, made sure I bought one of those. And in our house, we had a modem line and we had a phone line. There were no cell phones, anything like that. So I, well, there were, but only business people had like these big, the big boxes in big their car. Old, yeah. Huge phones, yeah. I was so, about to say, can we, what, what year are we talking here to set the stage for our 1999. younger audience? Okay, folks, just remember <laughs> in 1999, we didn't have Skype. We didn't have Discord. We certainly didn't, uh, you know, Ventrilo. Those things were, were in their complete infancy. So just keep in mind that this was, this was a active problem at the time. Yeah. <laughs> there was no streamers. There were no microphones. Headsets that you bought for your game did not have microphones. The only people who had microphones were those doing voice dictation and dragon naturally speaking, pretty much. They're, they're really, so that, believe me, when you bring to market and you think, who's going to be able to use this, we'll, we'll get to that. But um, so that was the environment then, 1999. I had had a really good run in my career. I worked at Microsoft. This is the entrepreneur's start. Like I did two years at Microsoft, but nine and a half years at a company called Fairlawn, which became Natopia. And I grew up there as their head of marketing. The company went public in 1996. So I had done corporate America for a while. Um, company was 100 people when I, was, when I started. Nine and a half years later, I think it was like four or 500. And I was kind of done. I wanted to bring something to market and do something. So I had actually left, um, resigned, and told my wife, hey, I'm going to take some time off to figure out what I want to do. It's going to be something in the dot-com era because... It's insane right now. We can come up with an invention, get it out there, get millions of people and make a lot of money. That's, that was in my mind. Little did I know that she would be the one that came up with the great idea. So as I'm telling her, I'm coming upstairs to hit the speakerphone and call my brother and play. She goes, I got to call my mom. And literally to this day, <laughs> it's the same thought that goes through my head. I'm like, well, that's going to take like an hour at least. And she goes, well, yeah, but you're going to play for like four hours. So shouldn't I call her first? I go, oh, can you keep it short? And she's like, I I'll let you know when I'm done. And then like out of the side of her mouth as she's turning, she goes, you know what you should do? You should figure out a way to talk over the internet. I'm like, that's actually a really good idea. I wonder if I could figure out how to do that. And oh I was like, there may be a parallel universe coming up as I realized that you and I are going to head to the Game Developers Conference coming up. So yeah. <laughs> I come upstairs and I wait for her to uh, get off the phone and, and I'm able to get on the internet and I'm searching and there's nothing out there. There's, there's no way to do this. So again, we, we, we could talk about this for a long time because I've never documented it. I'm excited. What happened next was I went to the Game Developers Conference and networked with a few guys, Adam, Adam Henri, and Sylvan, who I know these guys by their gamer tags typically, but those are their names. Um, I think it's in the Wikipedia page. And, and we sat down and they were Warbirds players. And I was mm. like, what do you play? And they're like, it's called Warbirds. Like we fly to Europe and we do an invasion and then we fly home. And, and I'm like, 
that sounds horrible, but I'm glad you like it. <laughs> and they were like, we need a way to talk to our squadron because we're flying hours over the Pacific to go there. So they wanted to talk because of boredom and just, just yeah. looking out the window and flying in their planes. I wanted to talk so that Mark and I had an advantage as, you know, capture the flag, like which way are you going to go? Where's the flag? Cover the base, that type of thing. So long story short, the five of us sat down at a round table in San Jose at the Game Developers Conference, and they're looking at me and going, what's your expertise? What do you do? I'm like, I'm not a coder. Was, but I'm not really anymore. But I am pretty good at this online marketing thing. So if you guys can make it, I will focus on the marketing of it, getting people to use it, building community for it, and I'll go to all the leading game developers and see if they'll bundle it. And they're like, you're on board. And so that was literally the the interviewing process we all used. What do you do? What do you do? Sylvan was at Stanford. Sylvan's a genius. Unfortunately, I, I actually don't know if he's still around. I hope he is. But he became very, very sick and wheelchair bound after a trip to Europe. This was maybe a decade or so ago. So during this time, he's he's vibrant. He's great. And he knew Sean, the founder of Napster. And so because he was at Stanford and working on Stanford security, he was the one who coded the dynamic networking ability that we had within the product. And he was a genius in that. Henri worked on the UI. And so we each took different roles. Adam yeah. was the president. Um, Henri was like our CFO and operations person. So like any organization, we just assembled into roles that were our best lanes. We didn't care what each one was doing from a territorial perspective. And like in a startup, you just, you just got it going. So literally Still. within the meeting, they were, talked about technical hurdles when you wanted to kick that off. We'll talk about that. Within four months, we had a working prototype. Wow. Um, and wow. that was fast because we had some major hurdles to get over. Um, in order for us to build the application, we had to do a few things that, let alone being able to talk over the internet. We, the first thing was is we needed a codec, a way to compress and decompress audio, voice, and have it sound good. Like Discord's audio quality is great. Back then, ours was like, if, if Discord's audio is like 4K TV, we were like old TV, 740 or whatever. Standard right? definition. 480p, yes. baby. <laughs> yeah. it, you could hear each other, but it didn't sound like this. And nobody had these microphones either. But so we were able to, and it was an Alexander Graham Bell moment when Andre and, and Adam and Sylvan was like, okay, we're ready. Do you guys want to do a test? Ooh. And so we all got the software downloaded on our machine. And they're like, okay, here's what to here's what to do. And they were chatting apps back then. Just like find your IP address, go do this, and go do this. And there was that hello, can you hear me? And we were like, Holy shit, it works. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, Sylvan knew it worked, but we had never, ever sat at our computer and heard someone's voice come through it. And so that was the first. And the way that that came about is Adam and Henri were in the military. And they contacted the U.S. military to see if there was a compression, decompression algorithm that was in the public domain now, because mm -hmm. um, they were in the Army. And they said, yes, as a matter of fact, there is. You can have it for no money, declassified. And it was the old, like, battlefield walkie-talkie codec. Yeah. So we got that. Sylvan worked his networking mastery. Uh, microphones we'll get to later. But then there was also the ability to have the audio working while the game was working. And that did require a full duplex audio card 
that was not all the rage back then. So there were some system requirements, but you know, gamers will spend money yeah. on fucking anything to Tell get. Tell me what to buy. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. I will get it. What model? And so that was that was it, guys. And and there was a prototype. Wow. And and look, that was. I, I don't want to take any credit from the genius of those guys making that. Yeah, um, of course, it, yeah. it now the ball was in my court to help the world find out about this and get game developers uh, to do it. So that that was that was how it got started. Um, that is. I mean, that is just so interesting. And of course, I, I'm a little uh, invested in that because not only am I a lifelong video game lover, but I'm also someone who's very enthralled in audio and, and that professional world. So I, I, to me, that that is quite an amazing story and is really exciting. I mean, you know, just for maybe any of our, our younger viewership, I mean, in 99, you know, we like david was saying we didn't have microphones i mean it wasn't you couldn't go to the store and buy a microphone that you could just plug into your computer via usb i mean as far as i remember that was not an option and i even remember being a young kid you know i mean i was i was around like seven to ten years old at that time thinking like a a microphone i'm not getting a microphone (laughs) from this video game that's ridiculous you know and that was the that was a lot a lot of people felt at the time it was like it was like this whole like that is just a weird idea. Why would we have a phone line on a computer? And and now look at us, right? We it is a everyday thing. I mean, come come on. We had COVID and work from home, and this whole internet communication is now an entire industry, an entire world. Um, and just to see how kind of this this need came out from this idea of you know once again you, younger viewership, you couldn't be on a phone line you couldn't have two people on the same phone line at once. So this is what David was saying. His wife couldn't make a phone call while he was also making a phone call. That was a limit of how phone line, home phone lines worked. Yeah. Um, and so there it's was just, no party it, line either. So I could call Mark, but if we had a third or fourth or fifth player, no, you can't talk. That was it. Right. You had one line. If, if, if David picked up the phone, while his wife was on the phone, he would get, he would become part of their conversation. That's how yeah. it went back then. <laughs> Yeah. Crazy. So that is that is just so interesting and 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 really, you know, inspiring and I hope people feel that way too when they listen to this story because you know, once again, it's it's taking a really simple need, a simple problem, creating a product, using your vision, using other people's expertise, right? You're you might not be the world's, you know, uh most incredible programmer but you do know marketing right and you can partner with these individuals who do have specialty skills and you can all come together and create something i think that is that is something that's so how do i put it you know kind of especially in american culture it's something we kind of forget about right i I like to look at taylor swift i use taylor swift as an example of this all the time i say you know taylor swift is incredible she is maybe one of the most successful business people of all time at this point especially in the music industry Mm -hmm. and but you know i always tell people remember taylor swift did not get here alone taylor swift had some incredible marketing team had some incredible business people behind her she you know almost undebatably has this incredible team of people that works with her to create what she is today um and and that's kind of what that story reminded me of i go you know this is it's this small idea that through collaboration with with individuals in in various fields you can create something that completely changes the world And, and i find that really cool yeah, and, and I feel what like... you two are doing as brothers is neat because your family doing a podcast together that doesn't often work in in business, right? You guys have a similar <laughs> passion, um, but it is it is a lesson, and it's something Alex knows that is core to me is that I am always networking. I'll network with people in elevators, 
Um, I played golf yesterday with my buddy and, you know, there was a gastro surgeon there. Of course, I got his name and number because I want to know as many people I can with as much expertise because when I either have a health issue or want to start a business or want to raise money or whatever it is, uh, an attorney, a doctor, I want someone in my network that, that knows how to do that. It's just who I am to my core because it's, it's that exponential multiplier of life. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that. I mean, I could never do what you do and be able to just go to a, go to GDC and be like, Hey, you guys want to start a company? That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, what? I, but back, back kind of to the story, like, I mean, we're going to continue on. There's a lot more to this, but I mean, like, what was the energy like in the room in that first message? When we talked, I, yeah. we were, we were all virtual at the time. Um, what's interesting about the startup is we started the company with no money. We didn't fund. We we were all fortunately in a position. Sylvan's at school. I had made some money from, you know, the previous parts of my career. I, I looked and said, okay, if I don't get a salary for the next five years, I'm going to be okay. So I'm going to take my time and figure out how to do an incredible startup. So we were all very lucky that we didn't need money yeah. at that time. We ended up raising a million dollars from the wow. state of Massachusetts that had an incubator fund for startups. So we founded the company in Western Massachusetts because we could get wow. this governmental million dollars. So now we're actually starting to get paid. They're paying me, I think it was $10,000 a month. I had to like, wow, yeah, don't do what basketball people do. Like I had to like get the money and remember to pay my taxes because I was going to get a 1099 at the end of the year. But so I took a significant, um, that was a significant decrease from where I had what, but I right. didn't care. I wanted to change the world. I was fortunately in a financial position where I could you know, have kind of sweat equity. And so we all had equity in the company. We ended up selling it. So spoiler alert, we'll get to that part of the story. But um, that's, it, it, we were all virtual and we, I had a business card. It was the only thing that was ever printed of the companies in the company's histories was David's business card. Because it was back then, you still actually handed people's business cards. And since I was going to go meet with all the game developers, I got, yeah. there's nothing else printed with Roger Wilco at all. There's no shirts. There's no coffee wow. cubs. There's no trade show signage or anything. And there was a website. There was a piece of software and my business card. And that was all we needed um, to build the company. But the building of the company is, is the next great part of the story. Because now that you've got this amazing capability, um, you know, if, if you build it, they won't come. you got to go find them. And that's, yeah. that's what came next. Oh, and that's a great segue. So, you know, from someone who, frankly, as Alex was kind of saying earlier, I am I'm not that marketer individual. So it's really interesting to like talk about this because I it, it's it's just a different headspace, you know, than than I usually f kind of float in. And I love to hear it. So now that you have this product, right, you've worked with the team, you guys have created something that you feel presentable. How did you go about approaching this conversation with these huge developers at the time? I mean, it must have been intimidating. For sure. Also, because the game industry is like Hollywood or the music industry. Yeah. And if you ain't in it, you ain't in it. Yeah. And I'm a I'm a suit guy coming from Microsoft and oh. Fairlawn. Uh, and I'm going to go knock on game developers doors. And I got a few doors shut for me in the beginning yeah. when I tried the pitch. So I changed my my pitch dramatically. I called hmm. the guy, found him. There wasn't even LinkedIn back then. Or if there was, <laughs> I didn't I didn't use it. I found a guy by the name of Kenneth Ballfazer. Um, he goes by Ken. Love that name. Yeah, great name. He was the product manager for a game that we all now know that had not come out yet called Battlefield. 
and the hype coming around Battlefield on IGN and GameSpy and and all these was that this incredible tactical shooter was coming out the first squad based game ding 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 i think he needs what i have right so that wow. that's what i'm thinking but i i will tell you because i think the podcast is an opportunity to teach anyone that ever wants to be an entrepreneur have a business how to go to market so like if you're me david's the marketing guy dave's the biz dev guy what would you think that i need to do to get traction with the software, right? I need gamers to find out about it. By the way, it was free. You could download it for free. There was no even paid version. It wasn't like the freemium. It it right. was just free. We 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 <laughs> thought let's get a lot of users and then we can figure out how to monetize with like a premium version or something, but right now it's free. So so what would you do even today? What would you do if you had like I think Alex and I have these little wrist sliders, right? So let's yeah. say he 3D mm -hmm. prints something cool like this with some rubber, and now you've got this great thing for gamers. What do you do? What would you do today to get the word out about this? You want people to start talking about it and using it, right? Bingo. So like if influencers take any of the influencers online that are, that are good, and you send them one, and you write, here, this is a gift for you. If you ever feel like mentioning on your show or podcast or stream, that'd be cool. That was my strategy, was to go to, there were squads back then playing certain particular games, especially Counter-Strike, and okay. they had websites because they Ooh. wanted to recruit other people to their squads. So what I did, I'll, I'll, I want to talk about Activision in a second, but what I did is I created on my computers, I had enough graphic skills to make banners for them, graphic banners, and I sent them a banner and I sent them a little care package and I said, I want your team to be even better than you already are. Here's a piece of software so you can talk to each other. And that wow. was the email I would send them because they had the recruit. So I went to all the big teams that were playing these games and would send them the software and send them a banner so they would put it on their website. And a number of them did. And that started to get traction in the community because it's the FOMO. It's like, what is mm -hmm. that? What do those guys use? That's fucking cheating. No, no, it's not cheating. That's smart. They have voice. So it caught on very quickly in the gamer community for squads that wanted to be able to talk to each other playing other type of shooters. But here comes Battlefield. So two things happened the week leading up to uh, Battlefield that I'll, I'll never forget. Company that you've heard of called Plantronics, mm -hmm. who is like the, back in the day, they were the headset company. If you, you know, they'll always love to tell people that the, the guy who was a Buzz Aldrin or whoever worked walked on the moon, I feel bad mm -hmm. right now. Is that who it was? <laughs> well, he I was mean, one yeah. of them. Who, who landed on the moon? Buzz and Louie. <laughs> okay. They Neil love Armstrong, to say, I think Neil, is what they, you're looking for. Think, yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, he says, they used, our they used our microphones and headsets. Wow. Uh, that, was, that was Plantronics' claim to fame. So, you know, little, little Davey, he goes down there, drives down to, to Santa, <laughs> uh, Santa Cruz, where they're headquartered. And I knock on the door and I find the guy who's like head of retail, which is responsible for getting their products in retail because you didn't really sell a lot of stuff online back then. There was no Amazon. Um, mm -hmm. I said, so uh, are you guys coming out with a, a headset ever with a microphone? They go, wow, were you sitting in our calls? And I, I said, <laughs> what are you talking about? And they go, we're introducing our very first headset and we want people who are doing dictation to use it. And, you know, we would we'd really like the Skype community. I go how do you feel about the gaming community? And they're like, sure, one day. And I go, well, I have something. 
and I want to show it to you. And so I sat down on their computers and they put the headsets. And I just I go, imagine you coming in with some like mystery box and like lifting <laughs> it off and like smoke comes out. <laughs> you know, it's got like a little I, USB. On what it. if we did this today? <laughs> yeah. So I just looks, want a quick correction before we continue. We are not astronauts. We are video gamers. It's Neil Armstrong, guys. Okay. Not, okay, okay. Louis Armstrong's the trumpet player. <laughs> so continue. Bad. Sorry. Neil. <laughs> Major props to Neil. Thank you. By the way, in the chat, if you don't believe we ever landed on the moon, feel free to drop a comment because I know some of you are out there. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) legend has it it was Neil Armstrong. So, and it was the Plantronics headset. So I demoed it to them, and sales doesn't normally work like this, right? I mean, if it's there's an interesting psychology that if I like went to a group of people and said, "I want to read you poetry," how much should I charge you um, to have me read poetry to you? you'd get a certain result. And then if you said, I want to read poetry to you, how much should I pay you to sit there and listen to me read poetry? You'll get the same percentages. So negotiations are an interesting psychology. So I'm sitting there like, wow, they're really interested in my software. And before I said anything else, they're like, would you allow us to bundle it with our drivers? Because this would help us sell more headsets. And I'm like, well, absolutely. Yes, I, <laughs> I was like, oh, my what? God, this is great. I have the headset for Neil Armstrong now coming into the consumer market with our Roger Wilkosoff. So I called up Adam and Andre. I'm like, great day. This is big. We're down at Plantronics. We're going to be bundled with their headsets. Now, think about it. That's a big win. Great yeah. vote of if, if nothing else, it was Plantronics is giving you the stamp that this is this is real deal software. So we had that done. Later that week on Thursday, it's time for my meeting with Ken. And what I told Ken in my email to him is, I'd like to show you something under NDA that will make your game, I guarantee, the number one selling tactical shooter of all time. It will, I can't tell you what it is over email, but I'm happy to come show you what it is. And he's like, that's a great pitch because what does he care about? making the number one game of all time, something like that. He took the meeting. So I go there and I brought two laptops because they had to have full duplex cards. I brought my Plantronics headsets that those guys gave me. And I go, by the way, you know, I'll tell you a little bit more about this. The Plantronics headsets at that time had uh, a switch on the cable that you could disable the microphone. So Mm -hmm. I had the switch off. Ken doesn't know what I'm about to do. I go, would you install Battlefield on this machine? And this machine, he goes, I'm really not supposed to install it on these laptops. I go, you can throw the laptops in the trash right. away if you want to keep them. I you just can- need an environment to be able to showcase what your game will look like, is what yeah. I said. So he installs it on both. I plug in the headsets. He sits down about 10 feet away from me. I go, go ahead and launch the game. Let's play for a little bit. Let's see if you notice anything. And the switches are off. He goes, Honestly, Dave, and, and I only got a half hour today. He's kind of short yeah. with me. I only got a half hour today. I, I don't see anything. I go, oh, okay. Yeah, it's not visual. And I walk over and I flip the switch and I go sit back down and say anything. I go, what about now? And he goes, like, his head just snaps. Like, where the fuck did that come from? I go, yeah, it's, it's voice capability. He goes, you, you can talk to me while we're playing the game. I go, not just you, the whole squad. He lit like the Plantronics guy goes, this game is shipping in 60 days. Can I bundle this with the game? I go, yeah. <laughs> and, and 
kind of the rest is history because wow. once you had like a major microphone company saying this is real deal chat software yep. and you have battlefield bundling and ken thank you if you still out there and never listen to this because i've never told the story like he was the catalyst because look, i remember in my career i worked at microsoft and i could get interviews at least because i worked at microsoft if you get someone to make that kind of investment in you and that someone is recognized as a thought leader or the best game or whatever um it was there and that's how we got halo and and i mean there, we can talk about the microsoft we should briefly talk about the microsoft deal because that yeah. was genius on microsoft's part we got screwed on that and they won huge but um <laughs> that that was the momentum so my whole strategy we launched the website we launched the software we had every clan every squad um wow. using the software that i possibly could get in touch with um, and then the other games started bundling it. And one year later, guys, oh, by the way, so my office did eventually move out of the house because Tiffany wanted to kick me out. And I went <laughs> down the street and I borrowed space at the State Farm office down the street near our Safeway here and worked upstairs. And the safe, the State Farm guy would come in every day. He goes, you work, right? I'm like, yeah, why? He goes, because you play games all day long. I'm like, I'm testing our software and I'm I'm marketing it to these gamers. And uh, he's like, yeah, whatever. Um, that is just so thought I played funny. games. So that was that was it. And so I, I walked down to a company called Hear Me. Back in the day, they were called Mplayer. One year after we had launched the company. And this is bittersweet, guys, because that year of my life was about the most fun year um, of work ever because I was doing something that I was so passionate about, playing video games and talking to people. Like nothing could be better for David Lewis yeah. than playing games and talking to people and talking about games. So I walk in to Mplayer because they had this gaming platform that enabled people to chat and they had voice in the lobby you could talk oh. in the lobby but you couldn't mm. talk in the game so i'm like i have this technology that would enable you if you guys use our we now have an sdk and integrate it you could actually carry the conversation into the game and that would make your gaming platform better than some of the competition they had back then that very short one hour meeting left to them acquiring the company about uh eight weeks later Wow. Yeah. They, oh my they didn't want to just talk in the lobby. What they realized was, so you don't have a whole bunch of servers in a data center right. that's enabling voice. You can just do peer-to-peer -peer voice like Napster. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, we don't have any servers. And they wanted that capability because their costs were getting astronomical mm -hmm. as their platform was growing. Uh, and so they needed to solve a different problem. Turns out they, they bought our company. This is the end of the, this is the bad part of the entrepreneur story. Acquired it, signed the paperwork Friday. I went to work Monday and they said, by the way, we're shutting down our game division. And I like almost cried on the way wow. home. I was like, wow, oh, wow the gosh. bait and switch. And yeah. uh, a year, about a year later, I was able to get them to sell off the game division, the GameSpy. So I went to GameSpy and my role at GameSpy was getting um, the technology into as an SDK into all the other games. And that's, that's when we licensed it to uh, Microsoft. I was so happy. Oh. I, I came back and I'm like, told mark the ceo of GameSpy, i'm like dude we got microsoft for wow. two hundred thousand dollars he's like really they're gonna buy the sdk for two hundred thousand dollars i go yeah they want an unlimited license for two hundred thousand dollars to put in every game that they publish oh ready <laughs> they didn't have xbox back then i didn't I know it was coming they didn't disclose it all they had was like might and magic and like right microsoft flight simulator i'm like you guys want to buy this for two hundred thousand dollars you know a year 
You and thought it was a steal. Yeah. So that's how they <laughs> that's how they took that technology and then created our first Xbox online. Is that yeah. what you're telling me? Yeah. Right now? They required every oh game published by Microsoft God. to have in it using our technology. It was genius. Holy cow. I mean, and then the company I, I, was sold and then the license like is just still out there. It's like in the public wow. domain. Best deal ever. It, Microsoft is genius. I mean, I mean, yeah, good good for Microsoft, but you know, but I mean that's just that's insane because for me, you know, obviously, you know, I, I'm using myself as a as a as a example, a model of like the the kid at the time experiencing this because that's what I was. I mean, when Xbox came out and we got those headsets with, I mean, Al, it was Alex's Xbox at the time, and we, I remember buying that headset and and that was where the whole like that's where like the community, the toxic like shit talking community stuff started in Halo, where it was like oh man now we can talk to each other and everyone's telling me i'm crappy at this game and like and i was just like it was this huge step in video gaming and it's just so funny to look back at it now and be like wow i would who know who knew i would knew the people in the future who are involved in making this happen you know yeah. it's just yeah. it's just you know interesting so so the the interesting part of the story is unreal i talked in the beginning how i'm now doing yeah. you know another startup leveraging the unreal platform i've always been an unreal geek i love the platform both games that are made with it as well as the technology itself have it on this computer cliff lazinski was like the guy at epic the public figure for epic back in the day and cliff was probably about 10 years younger than me maybe more i don't know but i remember going to e3 the other big gaming conference and i hunted down cliff I'm like, I'm going to find Cliff. He's he's like this rock star in the industry because there's Unreal Tournament and all the other stuff. And he's a level oh, maker for them. And so everybody good. worshiped Cliff. And he was really hip and cool and, you know, always dressed really funky. And just he had that vibe. I, I'm not that vibe, just so everybody knows. I'm not. <laughs> but I'm really passionate about my voice tech. And I bring it to him. I finally... You know, we're out drinking one night. I'm like, I'm going to do whatever he wants to do. And we were in L.A. And I won't talk about all the shit we were doing, but I'm going anywhere <laughs> Cliff wants to go. And I'm like, hey, Cliff, isn't it about time that you bundle Roger Wilco or use the SDK and integrate it with Unreal? He goes, I don't want to hear what some eight-year-old has to do barking in my ear while I'm playing the game. He goes, no, it'll never happen. It's happened. <laughs> but Cliff had to leave. Like, Cliff, Cliff was anti-voice chat, totally. And so a lot of the capabilities that you see, like in in call of duty today of proximity chat um the uh yeah. the uh last words upon your death and that type of stuff yeah your voice has come a long way right mm -hmm. you just enabled to talk you didn't have any way to turn it on or off uh in the sdk like it it just worked with your group it was squad based and i don't know i was wow. kind of like well why would you play with someone you don't want to play with in your squad He's like, you, yeah. people don't control who's in their squad. It's just random. It's matchmaking and that type of stuff. And I, I never got Cliff to uh, to go along with it. But it's was funny. That a, was that a I mean, common like gripe from people who are trying to adopt it? Because I remember when Xbox came out with their voice chat that one of the things you could do was put a filter on your voice to make you sound oh, older yeah. so people couldn't tell you were a kid, which kind of to me indicates that that was a general worry that people were playing with little kids and we're going to be annoyed by it yeah well i mean look at you and i you always turn voice chat off that's true you don't want it and i always turn it on and make friends with randos online i like it's a persona yeah for sure yeah. 
and it's yeah. a mood too like nowadays like i can be one way or the other sometimes i get on and i just want voice chat off i don't really want to kind of like have that interaction sometimes i pop it on and i say hey let's have a good like fun time and interact with people i like the option you know um but it's still to this day it's still a topic that's discussed i mean for example mortal Kombat one was released with no ability to mute uh your your opponent and fighting games are notoriously kind of I don't yeah. want to say toxic, but like you're, it's a one on one. Competitive, but, competitive yeah, games so, in general. So I'm playing my first game. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I'm playing my first games, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, I hear someone saying like, "Oh, you," you know, but but then I get on another game, and I can hear like it's clearly like a seven or eight year old kid who's never played the game before, you know, and and I had some really positive interactions when MK1 came out. You know, I'd say like, "Hey, you know, hey man, like try this out, try this combo." Like, "Okay, you did a good job on that, but like do this this time." So, there's like so many positive experiences that can be derived and and it, it's it's I I think one thing that I think is is worth noting is back in the 90s and early 2000s there was a lot more um how do we put it? A lot more like concern and care taken with how you presented yourself online, right? A lot of like parents and even the kids like back in the 90s, it was kind of like, well, don't, you know, there's strangers online, like stranger danger. Don't like interact with people. There was sort of this Mm -hmm. zeitgeist of like to maintain your privacy. It wasn't until we got MySpace, Facebook and other social media where everyone started to open up online and start to kind of we stopped caring, right? We started making our lives online and that was not the case in the nineties. Um, so when, you know, when 10 year old Tyler went up to his dad and said, Hey, I want a microphone so I can talk to people. You know, dad says, uh, no, I don't want you talking to these random well, people. Eventually you know? he broke because I'm pretty sure I still have the <laughs> Xbox microphone that looked like I'm just Bluetooth using us as an example, <laughs> little, but that was a lot of, for the 360. There was a lot of parents at the time who had, had feelings like that. They didn't, you know, not only did they totally. not want their kids talking to strangers, they didn't want strangers talking to their kids. Yeah, but uh, I, and it took you know, some years. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's just what happens with new technology is people yeah. are uh, suspicious at first, and then they then it becomes commonplace. I mean, Absolutely. I you know have great stories now of you know Helldivers Two just came out and it's a squad based shooter game. And people were chatting online and we're like, all right, guys, let's go in and we're going to take these bugs down, you know, for democracy. And it's this yeah. like whole hilarious, like you really yeah. do feel like with these total strangers that you are a squad and it wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't happen otherwise without voice chat. Otherwise you'd just be this anonymous person. It really yeah. humanizes people as you're playing video games and especially when- Call of Duty. And like you were talking about how great the um, death voice lines are. Those yeah. are that's like one of my favorite features in every, any game when people when you kill somebody and you can hear what they say like they're just like, like, ah, a, like a five second clip and you're just like no way you cheating you know or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so funny. I mean, like totally. it, it, it also revolutionized how role playing works in video games. Like, oh, absolutely. I mean, like we we couldn't have experiences like we do nowadays without this kind of online interaction. One of my one of my go tos might be like Sea of Thieves or uh, this smaller pirate game called Black Wake. If if any of our viewers have played that, you know, like you said, Alex, like you just have such a good time in the role playing aspect. You know, we we'd launch into this pirate game. You're all trying to like load cannons do the sails you know captain screaming and everyone gets super into it you know it'd be like yeah you know guns on starboard side all right man go go you know and it's just that kind of interaction becomes so fun and adds a a level of immersion that you can't get you literally couldn't get anywhere else and although we like to yeah go ahead david i was say my my i think best day at work ever um it's uh an email i got from a mother 
and I don't I don't remember exactly what the game was. I think it was Tribes, but she said, you know, my son, uh, fill in the blank of the name. I can't remember because this is a long time ago. She goes, my son had a very unfortunate accident in the backyard. He fell off a slide, broke his neck, and became oh, wow. paralyzed from the waist down. Wow. So oh, wow. you know, yeah, and and she's like, so um. We didn't know what to do. We bought him a computer and he plays this video game all the time and he discovered your software. And she wrote me like how much her and her husband thanked us because someone who was immobile and really for his age affecting his ability to build friends and socialize. She's like, he loves playing this. And like, I couldn't imagine what the experience would be like without voice. And that, it made me, it made me yeah. feel, it was the other side of like, you know, like let let's face it. Like, there's four quadrants of communication. There's there's the same place, same time, which is the best form of communication, togetherness, and we need to get out and do that. <clears throat> and then there's same place, different time, which is what we're doing. And there were no ways to really do that outside of a telephone. And so I I look back on that point in my career, and I'm like, you know, if we help this kid as well as many others, and now voice is what it is. It was. It was great. I my my regret was probably selling the computer, uh, selling the company as fast as we did because they killed our baby. Mm -hmm. Could have easily been the discard or or something else or the Skype. Skype sold, by the way, a couple years later for four billion dollars. Um, our company didn't sell for four billion. Just you know, footnote. Um, so it's like, wow, we we sold way too soon. But um, it was the best best time in my work experience, both as an entrepreneur and both doing something you love. And that's why I always encourage people like. Whatever you're passionate about, you know, try to try to do that as your work. Because if you if it doesn't feel like work every day, and trust me, at the State Farm Building, it didn't. It didn't even look like work every day, but it was. <laughs> and and we changed the world, and I and I and I loved it. Um, and I'm I'm looking forward to maybe doing it again. I mean, even though I'm officially retired, I have enough time to dabble with other things. And I think, you know, VR. I have mixed feelings about it because it's like, okay you might have experiences so good that you don't leave the house. And I don't, I don't want to be a contributor to that. But, and again, I, think I mean, it's such a you complicated can have some amazing topic. experiences. Yeah. You know, like you were saying earlier, we have to understand, you know, to some degree, inventors only control so much. You, you throw things at the wall, but you have to let the world accept them and so we just don't know how the world's going to accept vr we don't know what that looks like yet i mean sure it's it's been a growing industry for years and years and years and we've all seen renditions and we'll continue to see them but you know we're we're, we're still in its infancy we still don't know personally i love vr i love the immersion even what we currently have but i experience motion sickness so like mm. i'm extremely interested in how the immersion the p potential for augmented reality right so maybe not keeping us locked in on headsets all day every day inside our homes the ability to take that outside and have augmented reality um but right that i have a personal hurdle of getting you know that that uh motion sickness so it's it's there's as you vote as you developed you know what was it 20 years ago now there's a there's still needs that need to be met so if we have any uh, young entrepreneurs listening you know you know please you know uh find those needs and start to start to fill them you know that's yeah that's good business for you cool refresh rate's gonna cure that for you i i hope tyler i hope it's I, it's you know it's probably the refresh rate and the and the pixelate because you play 
you know, 3D games on your computer don't have it, yeah. right? Yeah, so no problem at all. It'll, it'll get mm-hmm. You'll be Resolution, okay. Just that, time. all that. So if well, you were, I maybe know you, you said, discovered the next problem we need to solve. No, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I think they're very aware of that problem right now. Yeah, but if yeah. we yeah. can solve it, then yeah, we we got all the money in the world. There you us. go. Let's <laughs> no more motion sickness in VR. Yeah, it's a real thing. That's awesome. So I would say, you know, a couple of last minute questions, I guess. So you said you you if you were to go back, you probably wouldn't sell the company. But if there was something else, what what would you do different? What would I do different? Um, that's a great question. I uh, I guess it depends on on where we focus that. Like, there were some deals that I did, like the Microsoft mm-hmm. deal, where I was just naive. So mm-hmm. if I was trying to build more revenue for the company, there are things that I would have done differently there in our licensing. Like, I was so excited to get it out that I think we were undercharging for its capabilities. And I think we moved deals too fast. Like Plantronics, who said, can we bundle it? And I talked about the poetry thing. Like, I probably could have gotten money from them to bundle it, but I just needed it to be out there. Um, So I think there were things that I learned about deals. One of the things that I think we did really right was the team. The success or failure of any given product is the team. And we had really, just everybody shared a passion there was a great culture fit we did eventually get together and we did um you know like an offsite together which really helped build trust and even more rapport because we met at the game developers conference and then all went to our corners to work on this so coming together was was good um there weren't virtual companies back then and we mm-hmm. were like a virtual we were a virtual company so uh i wish I guess I wish I stayed in touch with those guys a little bit more. Adam and I have, but some of the other guys, not not so much. Adam and I have stayed in touch. Uh, when I sold the company as an entrepreneur, we took a lot of stock in the company that bought us. So they valued us at a certain amount. We took a huge portion of that in stock. And because I felt like we sold so early and then we actually took stock in the other company and their stock did okay, didn't do great. So my regret is like, had I not been maybe so hasty on some of the deals and even the deal structure for selling the company, financially, um, we would have had a bigger impact. So from a numbers perspective, um, that was that. In terms of the the product, I think we moved quick. We Getting the MVP, the minimal viable product, uh, Tony was one that was really good of like, guys, this is version 0.5. We will just have this. Remember I said, we didn't have a, like a browser where you could find each other. Um, we were okay with that because we thought gamers will find their IP address and connect if they know what it is. So learned a great lesson about like, don't try to boil the ocean with your first release. Just get it done, get it out. Because even the capabilities that you think are important, you'll find out from your community uh, what it is. Um, wow. I, I, mean, I, I You know, I, I, nits, but yeah. but I, I, I would do it all over again. Mm-hmm. Uh but I would just I would be probably smarter about um, the revenue side and the growth potential of the business. Yeah. yeah. So I want to kind of uh, end us on on a high note. Then, if if unless you have more to this story, but I would just ask, like, what part of this is like? Are you most proud of um, taking risk? Taking risk. And have you ever seen that meme that says? Uh, I'm going to misquote it, but it's like 
I don't often listen to my wife, but when I do, it normally turns out well. Listen to your wife. They are way smarter than us. Even though we may think certain things like, had Tiffany not just said, if if you're really looking for something to do, why don't you figure out a way to talk over the internet? I, I heard that. I'm like, <laughs> so, I mean, the entrepreneur lesson is, is take action. We, we will talk ourselves out of something yep. so fast as soon as fear starts to creep in. So like mm-hmm. the high note is like, I, look, both of you have started a podcast to justify your, your gameplay to your significant others. Um, okay, fine. Just listen to your significant other. And if you think you have a good idea, just take action on it. And, and that, that is a lesson I've learned over and over and over again. And by the way, if it doesn't work out, just fail fast and move on. Yeah. And, and you learn something tremendous from that. So that's, don't be that's, afraid to try. I think that's yeah. great advice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Not, you can tell yeah. that he is a master husband at this point. Nothing but compliments. <laughs> like, I'm going to slide this in here so she knows. <laughs> yeah. She oh, will love listen it. to it, by the way. She will no, never I listen know. to this podcast. But yeah, she's, uh, she's I, wonderful. Good, good note. I love it. Yeah. That, listen that's... to your wife. That is amazing. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for being on our podcast. Yes. We hope to have you on again, but that is a quite the amazing story and one that I don't think enough people know about, the the kind of genesis of video game voice chat and the the, the genesis of, I would say, modern video gaming as we know it. Yeah. Can you well, imagine you. what it would be like without voice chat? It would be completely different. Well, thank you for the invitation to come on the program and chat. Oh, yeah. Tell it. So- such a pleasure to have you, Dave. I really Feel free appreciate to update it. the Wikipedia page now that you have more information if you want. Please go check out the Wikipedia page that was definitely edited by Dave himself. No, I'm just kidding. No. I'm just kidding. Maybe some of it. Developers don't build Wikipedia pages, right? But they're, they're not braggadocious at all. But I'm like, well, David did this and David did that. Yeah. I think funny. your name is in here. One, two, three, four, five. No. <laughs> I, I will it, tell though. this, hey, if anybody's interested in VR, like I said, it's coming soon. If they do drop a comment, I'll make sure they get the software as soon yeah. as it's available. So if they yeah. want to build stuff for VR, uh, it's coming. If, you're, if yeah. you're interested in what uh, David was talking about earlier, please let us know. We're going to keep you guys completely up to date as we get information because we're getting it from the source directly. Um, so, you know. Get in, get in early. This might be a big opportunity for you now. And 10 years from now, you might say, oh, man, I should have uh, listened to that podcast and got on that platform early. So, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> d- d- take your opportunities. Pixelated yeah. Realms. Da, da, da. I'm going to tell the story. One day I was listening to Pixelated. <laughs> and this is and the rest happened. was history. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to us to be notified when we post new episodes. We post new episodes every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on podcast services and YouTube. You can also find us on Instagram threads and YouTube at Pixelated Realms Podcast. Thank you very much. 